Hi, it's Tony Kornheiser. The podcast is coming up in just a moment, but the sales weasels have got some sponsorships up front. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. What is it called? What exactly is your show called? The show is called Pablo Torre Finds Out. And what did I think it was called? You thought it was called Pablo Torre Has Out. Right, right. (laughs) Then it was another. I suggested a great name for your show. Yeah, you you suggested uh, Squeeze This (laughs) Pablo Torre. (laughs) I, I just thought that was a really good name. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All right, we've got a few things to talk about here. Um, first of all, Sean is here, which makes me very happy. We'll get to Sean in a second with his ice cream saga. <clears throat> I subscribe to the New York Times online in the sense that I pay, I think, about $18 a month. And I get a variety of things from the New York Times, including their best feature story of the day, in their opinion. Something called the morning, which is a digest, and something called the evening, which is a digest. And as you read through the morning and the evening, these are very well done. As you read through them, there is the opportunity to land on the larger story. In other words, they give you four or five lines about what is happening. And then in blue type, they they let you click on that and give you the larger story. But in the last few days, every time I click on something I want to read, I don't get it. I get like, I don't know three lines and then it asks me what my email is and then i oh, you got tell signed them, out you know Ooh. and i don't know what has happened and then oh, i tried incognito mode okay i tried yesterday to go to their help desk which is of course not people it's <laughs> no. never people it's something that says you're on with genesis and i try to write what's wrong and i don't get any satisfaction i don't know how to do it And I don't get any satisfaction. Why am I paying $18 a month? I love the New York Times. I worked at the New York Times before the Washington Post. Why am I paying $18 a month for a service that I cannot access? What exactly am I getting for the money? And I can't, no one will talk to me. This is my complaint day after day after day. No one will talk to me as we become increasingly a nation of no talking, just typing. This stinks. It simply stinks. And the New York Times, the New York Times, for God's sakes, ought to have somebody who will talk to you. There ought to be a way to say, well, just tell me what to do here. Why is, why is this happening to me? So this is one reason why I now have just given over all of my passcodes to my phone, and it chooses a strong passcode. I'm not going to remember any of these, but now I can just have it look at me in the, in the face, and the camera does all the work for me. I'm one of the few people who actually believes in journalism. I worked at that place, and I want to read their stories because I respect their staff. And this app won't let me in. It won't let me in. I don't know what I'm doing. Are you going to? Is this the full subscription? No, it's not. I I have the. So you can't share like the cooking with me, New York Times cooking. Well, sometimes it. Yes, sometimes at the end of the evening. They have a, a thing about what to cook tonight. Now, are you, yes. doing, are you doing this just through the email they send out to you, or are you then going into like the New York Times app itself? I went into the New York Times app to try to figure out what was going on. It just stonewalled me. 
Because my issue, every newspaper app that I go into, you always try and you do, you know, you do the, the scroll down. And whenever you try and click on a story, you end up clicking on a Cadillac infomercial that then jumps you out of the app mm. onto a web page. This is another thing. I can't stay on point. Because when I press what I think is the right thing, suddenly I am taken to something else, another place. I don't want to be there. It's time to do one more level of zooming in. I hate this. <laughs> I just I hate this. I am too old and too stupid for the world that I live in. I thought there's going to be a big issue like your weather app was, I don't know, moved to homepage Ooh. four or five and you couldn't <laughs> wow. find it anymore. Well, that's happened, but you've moved it back as you've moved back today's date. Yeah, well, the, the date, there's a hierarchy to the pages on your phone and stuff that gets buried on the back end, you're never going to see and it And I again. keep getting this thing from <laughs> iCloud that I've used up my iCloud and we they want upgraded. money. No, it doesn't. I just. Wait, was this the. We had a scam that happened to you where you got an email saying you had to upgrade, right. but you actually found out that it was a scam. Just somebody come to my house, I'll hand you cash for the iCloud. Here's a buck. It's like 99 cents. Old man come to the cloud. house and just, just. And as long as I'm angry, let me be angry again for the second day in a row at the tennis. I don't know who is in charge of this thing. It, it, a few nights ago, some idiot decided that the Shelton Tiafo match, the highlight match of the night, the highlight match maybe of the tournament, an all-American quarterfinal for, I believe, the first time in 20 years, that that should start after 9.30 in the East. This tennis, men's tennis is best three out of five. These things go three hours routinely. That thing didn't end till after 12.30 in the morning. Nobody's watching that on a school night. That's no. stupid. It was just ridiculous for the U.S. Open to do that. They should have taken whoever was on the court at 8 o'clock and moved them because you want to get to this feature match. Last night, what happened was utterly bizarre, makes no sense to me, and by the way, was very poorly reported. And I don't even blame the people in the booth because they are tethered to the booth. They are dependent on people out in the field telling them what's happening. Coco Goff was playing... Carolina Muova. How's that pronounced, Nigel? Muhova. Muhova. Yes. Okay. They're playing, um, I don't know, they're in the second set. It's one nothing. Goff wins the first set. It's one nothing in the second set. And suddenly they're off the court. And nobody knows what's going on. And after about 10 minutes, Muhova leaves the court completely. And they later show her, her abdomen being worked on by a trainer. So I assume she quit. I figured she had an injury. Nobody in the booth knew what happened. I figured she had an injury. And then Goff walks off the court as well. And this goes on for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Well, at that time, I'm over at the Kansas City Chiefs-Detroit Lions game. I drift back every once in a while. They're still not on the court. I'm done. I'm done with that tennis. And then I'm, I'm certainly not sticking around. When did the second match, the Keys... Sabalenka match? When did that start? Uh, probably 10.30 or 11, maybe. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me with this? And yeah. so it turns out, so I read in the paper this morning, because I, I, I didn't stick around for the explanation, there was a climate protest. Nigel, you're there. Explain what happened. Yeah, so as you said in, at the start of that um, second set with, with Coco leading, all of a sudden play stopped, and you're like, well, what's, what's going on? Well, nobody and, knew. Yeah, and then you're and like, there's a okay. lot of police. You see, they yes. show you a lot of police in a section. But the initial, yeah, you, you're like, okay, at first it was told, oh, well, there's just some people who are standing up refusing to sit down. And you thought, well, maybe that's a drunk, you know, fan because we've had a lot of those in the tournament this year. Too many deuces. Yeah, I know. And uh, then it just it drips and drabs. You start to find out, oh, it's a protest. Oh, there were, there were a few people and they've got rid Greta of- Thunberg. Is that her name? What's her uh, name? That yes, yeah, Greta Thunberg. Yes, she was not there. No, but, but it's sort of her deal. Yeah, but her four compatriots, I guess, were. And one and this, one guy glued himself yeah. to this to the yeah, stands. To, yeah, what? glued glued his feet to the pavement. Well, this is what they do. I mean, this is, I've seen like they do this. They'll, they'll glue their hands to pavement. To so block untie traffic. his shoes. <laughs> no, no, it was and his bare feet. And lift him out. Huh? It was his. Ba- it was his bare feet. Like glued them. With like super glue or whatever to the what? pavement. It's <laughs> bare feet. Because that's the whole thing. They're like, now you can't take me away. You have to deal with me. And I, I was not up in a stance. When but, was this explained to people? Um, 
it really wasn't fully explained until after it was over. So until about 45, 50 minutes, you know, because that's how long it took them. They said 49. I thought it was 50 minutes um, to, to get the whole thing. And then removed. they have to warm up again. The, the match was delayed over an hour. Yeah. Oh, it was. And then and the big question at that point was like, well, does this how does this impact the rest of the match? Is it going to hurt Coco? Is it going to help her? And, you know, but it was just a big nuisance. It really was. And it was frustrating not having any idea what was there was no information on it. Yeah. So people like me left. Yeah. And didn't come back. We went like to was, the football. Yeah, it's not like there was anything else on to watch. Oh, that's right. The NFL was on. And right. it's, yeah, it's the NFL. By the way, Detroit won that game. Uh, yes. Chuck Todd opens 0-1. Detroit <laughs> won that game. That's a big deal. Wilbon hates Detroit, thinks they stink. I don't think he can say that today no. on PTI. I don't think he can. I'm not saying it's the most important game of all time. But everything is stacked against the Detroit Lions in that game, and they won that game. And you can say, okay, Kelsey didn't play and Chris Jones didn't play. You can say that. Detroit was out there. They won the game. They won. The, this is Detroit. They started out one and seven yeah, last But all those year. issues you mentioned, what's stacked against them, but what's on the table, and you see with that interception what they're able to do because you don't have that safety. The guy, dropped, the guy dropped two passes. The, the, the receiver dropped two passes. One was intercepted for a touchdown. Yeah, 50 yards. Yeah, so. All right, this is. Well, what about the ice cream? Well, I'm getting to that okay. now because, I'm, because now I've. Yes. I've all of my anger is gone now. <laughs> your now, can you just type in that passcode one more time for me? <laughs> I hate this. Um, you have to be careful because sometimes when you try and log in, it ends up, you, it, you start commenting on a posted story. I just don't have any idea what's going on. I'm not for these times, as Brian Wilson said many years ago. I guess I just wasn't born for these times. Um, so, Sean, describe what you brought and how you got it. Okay. There, so For the uh, coffee ice cream challenge. How, have you tried it yet? No, because okay. you know I slavishly have to finish right. what I've started. Go in order. Go, yeah, go in go. order, yeah. So, uh, a, a couple of miles from me, it, there's a there's a, a place. It's, it's, I'm just going to call it a dessert factory. They right. make desserts for restaurants. So... You know, if you go to a, a, a white tablecloth Italian restaurant and get the tiramisu that's cut from, they make those at this factory that seems like it's like the edge of an industrial area, but also the edge of a, a residential area. You kind of go in behind a house. <laughs> it's 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 very funny, but um, I've been there called? a couple of times. They're called Piece of Cake, and they're in Rahway, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, Piece of Cake Ice Cream, I think, is their web address. Um, and uh, But they also have a counter where, well, it's not even a counter. You go in this door, and an alarm goes There's off. There's a woman. Well, a woman, she comes, woman out, comes out. She comes out. And sells you ice cream. With the hairnet, and she's like, <laughs> yeah. what do you want? Here's, <laughs> so here's the ice cream we have today. <laughs> And yeah, you so can great. get a pint. Straight out of Goodfellas. It, it really is. And yeah. their website looks like somebody made it in 1999 and <laughs> maybe updated the pictures. But it, I've had the ice cream from there, and I've, I've been very happy with it when I saw they had a uh, coffee you espresso. Coffee. Yes. So the coffee that you brought, is this ice cream or is it gelato? I think it's gelato. And gelato yeah. differs from ice cream they in They have what a larger way? list of gelatos. Now, with the ice cream pints, I'm interested in trash can and something called Cookie Monster. Okay, Trash Can is upstairs as well. That was my wild card. Okay, so. there's no reason. Tony will not try Trash Can. What's in it? I assume everything Every, but the kitchen yeah. sink. Everything. Oh, yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah, that's I'm guessing it's, it's got me. pretzels and like, you know, chocolate bars. It might have banana flavor in it. It's I definitely not going to have that. I'm, I'm guessing more savory. All right, so what is the difference between gelato and ice cream? I think it's fat content. I think gelato has a little bit more fat content for... Gelato translates to ice cream in Italian, but this dessert's texture is denser, smoother, and richer than American ice cream. Okay, and that's fine. It uses milk, cream, and sugar, but it differs in proportions. Gelato uses less cream and more milk than ice cream and contains no eggy yolks or eggs at all. Okay, but Buster only would be happy because it's cow milk? Yes. Cow milk. Okay, yes, not oat milk, oats. which is an actual <laughs> milk, yeah. or Cashews. almond milk, which is an actual milk. A milk-like product. Cow milk is milk. Yes. Cow milk. I mean, goat milk is milk, but it's not as good as cow milk. Right. There's no goat ice cream, is there? Uh, nobody makes goat ice I'm cream. I'm sure there is. You think I'm so? Sure we have is. avocado oh. ice cream. I'm sure we have goat ice cream. So we will try Sean's ice cream when we finish the McConnell's. <laughs> 
You wouldn't think this is like you bring a wine, a, a bottle of wine over to someone's house. You wouldn't say to Sean, let's open up this ice cream together. You invite him for a salmon dinner. Right. And you just put the ice cream in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. Do I strike you as someone who bends easily? No, I'm a rigid human being. I have a philosophy. I adhere to my philosophy. It's just I, I finish one thing before I start another. It's just who I am. You should know that by now. <laughs> We'll take a break. Oh, and Tony, one, just one. just uh, goat milk ice cream does exist, as does sheep milk ice We're cream. We're not having so. that. <laughs> We're not having the sheep milk ice cream challenge. We're Would not you like, having it. How about goat cheese and cherry? Would you like to try that? No. Goat cheese is good on its, you know, goat cheese on its is own. fine. It's great. What it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that's what it is. But not I don't think cream. I want goat ice cream. I don't think so. <laughs> no. All right. Um, Paul Feinbaum, when we return, yes. yes? Yes. Paul Feinbaum. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Jared Goff and Coco Goff, not brother and sister. Coco at the open, there's no way that you missed her. Jared Goff, he's a lion, used to be a ram. If this was World War II, he'd be plucked by Uncle Sam. And then he'd serve his country in the big war overseas. The Lions fans in Detroit would probably be relieved to be free of Jared Goff, at least for a while. Coco Goff, who's not his sister's got a lot of style. I wonder whether Jared Goff knows Coco Goff at all. Perhaps they met at car shows where they've had adjoining stalls. Wonder if they've been photographed <laughs> side by side together. They both play in a dome sometimes, depending on the weather. Jared Goff and Coco Goff continue unabated. Jared Goff and Coco Goff both are highly rated. Jared Goff and Coco Goff once more let me state it. Jared Goff and Coco Goff unrelated. Dan Byrne is a genius. He's a genius. <laughs> he great. makes these songs up. Yeah. They're wonderful. He sends them to us, and we play them because he's a genius. He plays in Paul Feinbaum, who knows more about college football than anyone in the world. And I'm going to give you the three big developments that have happened within the last, I don't know, 96 hours, whatever it was. Dion beats TCU at TCU. Florida State destroys LSU in the second half causing Brian Kelly to call it a total failure, and Duke beats Clemson, which Wilbon just dismisses as not important on any level. Of those three things, you want to put them in order that you want to talk about them in terms of importance? Because it seems to me that the three of them are pretty important. Tony, they're all important. In, in terms of a, from a pure pleasure and joy standpoint, Duke over Clemson sure. was my favorite. Sure. But uh, the, the biggest story... In sports, and, and I, 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 biggest story in college sports, and, and for a while this week it was the biggest story in all of sports. I think Coco Guff might be taking that over right now. Uh, is is prime time? Uh, yeah. I've covered college football for more than forty years, and I, I've never seen one individual completely take all the oxygen out of the sport. I am at an airport right now, Tony, about to go to what I thought was going to be one of the biggest games of the year, and that's uh, Texas and Alabama tomorrow night and steve spurrier uh, by the way he didn't he wasn't a guest on our show he called our show as a caller wednesday night wow i looked down there uh, he said I, hey i i just got to jump in here for a second and talk about Deion sanders i've never seen anything like it uh he said nebraska colorado is the biggest is the biggest store is the biggest game on saturday and i was, I was really pr appreciative of him saying that on an espn 
radio station, considering that the entire world of ESPN will be in Tuscaloosa tomorrow. But yeah. other than that, he's right. Tony, you know he's right. Yes, he is. Uh, and, and I've seen you you guys handle it all week long as well. And and it's it, you know whether it, whether it lasts for a couple of weeks, it really doesn't matter. He won the game he had to win. He had the entire stage to himself Saturday. There was really nothing. There was not much else going on. The, the games you mentioned, one was on Sunday night and one was on Monday night. He had the biggest game on Saturday, and he won it. His kid was great. He was great. He threw for over 500 yards. His accuracy was unerring. Didn't, didn't you think? I had no idea he was that good. No, I, I mean, and I saw one or two of his games at Jackson State. But, uh, and yet not only that, uh, Travis Hunter was, was spectacular. Yeah. And, and by the way, that shouldn't have been a surprise. Tony, two years ago, Travis Hunter was the number one player in the country. He committed to Florida State. And then Dion flipped him to Jackson State. And then, of course, he flipped him again. And he'll flip him a few more times if Dion keeps moving. But it's, it, I, Wednesday morning, I'm, I'm going to a, an eye doctor. And, and I'm in a hurry. And the guy's, you know, dilating my eyes. He, he's asking me if you, I said, and, and he's about to ask me a few questions. With the, and he said, before I start, can I ask you about Deion Sanders? And I go, would you just look at my eye and, and, and leave the, the sports casting to me? Yeah. Um, because that, that's, and college football is not like that. It's, it's not like Tiger Woods in golf or the, the NFL, uh, you know, uh, Super Bowl, where one specific moment transcends everything it's hard for college football to get that much attention but it did this week it is impossible for me if i was a programmer at a network a month ago two months ago whatever you cannot you could not convince me that anything other than texas alabama deserved my attention you could not no. but if you now right now given Dion and matt rule these were the two moves coaching moves in college football that more people scrutinize than anything else. It's totally irresistible. Spurrier is right. It's totally irresistible that you have Dion at home with his home opener and Matt Rule coming in with Nebraska and, and he having said critical things of Dion before the season started. This is the one you want to see, isn't it? No, it is. And I mean, I, I can't tell you how, how much I wanted to be in Tuscaloosa, but I'm thinking about just looking at, and finding Southwest or somebody that's going to Denver because I really, uh, yeah. my interest is, I mean, suddenly Nick Saban looks uh, like, a, like a dinosaur compared to, <laughs> to Deion Sanders. Um, I was struck by this, Tony, not to be critical of, of our brethren, but tomorrow morning on College Game Day, which, by the way, will be competing with a program from Boulder, uh, the guest picker, is one of my favorite people in the world, but he's also 80 years old, Joe Namath. And I just right. the idea, Joe, so Joe Namath's going to be picking the Alabama-Texas game while Dion's sitting on the set in Boulder. And that shows you uh, this, this line of demarcation, and it's everything. And I, I don't think there have been many stories like this, uh, really in sports, because you know, Johnny Manziel for a minute transcended college football, Tim Tebow, uh, held up that mantle for a much longer period of time, primarily because of Skip Bayless, because he, he kept talking about him even after Tebow retired. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Tiger Woods commanded stages, LeBron at various moments of his career. The, 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 you know, we've seen flash in the pans. But for a guy that we already knew, I mean, this isn't something, uh, I mean, we've already been down the road with Dion before when he's going uh, back and forth between NFL games and World Series. I mean, this is, this is not a new act for him. Um, and if anybody thought he would be humble after winning, they have not paid attention. <laughs> They've not paid attention. This is, this is who he is. I want to just give 30 seconds to LSU being decapitated in the second half. What did you make of that? It was shocking. And, uh, and I have great respect for Brian Kelly and defended him. Uh, and I think he's building a program, but, but he got, he got ransacked. Uh, and the game was, uh, I, this is a cliche that I hate. Uh, it was a fairly close game. Uh, LSU was actually leading. And yes, they, at the Kelly, half. Kelly, Kelly made a couple of uh, decisions early in the game. He, he left between 6 and 14 points on the field early in the game by refusing to, to kick a field goal and, and being a bull about it. He, he, he really, and the, the one thing that I came away with, with Florida State is elite. Uh, and I think way too much is being made out of, out of Kelly's failings because it, it was the only game where we saw two, two top five, top yeah. ten teams meet. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was destructive to to LSU and to Kelly. Every Pac-12 team won. I mean, I know they're dissolved. I know it's gone. I lament it being gone because of my age and because of I, I understand what UCLA basketball was and USC sure. football was. But every Pac-12 team won. What do you think they're thinking today? There's not going to be a Pac-12 next year. It's over. And they all won. What do you make of that? Well, and it, it just so happens, Tony, that they have a lot of really good teams. I mean, I, you know, the first week you can, you can skew the, the results, but there are four or five schools in the Pac-12, and maybe if you want to add Colorado, which I will not add, right. uh, are legitimate contenders uh, to at least get, get within striking distance of the playoff. Uh, it's, it's, it's where we are, and it, it, it's impossible to be a get-off-your-lawn guy with college football right now, Tony. I, I don't mean to say that specifically to you. Well, you can. Um, because this, I, in, you know, we talk about change, incremental change over five and ten years. In two years, 30 years have gone by my eyes. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, it's impossible to, to characterize and describe what, what is happening. And, if, if you, and the only people that they don't, don't seem to be getting it are the folks who run the sport at, at, at the NCAA office. I mean, they are still living uh, in, in some prehistoric age. But other than them, everybody else, and, and you know, let's cut to the chase. It's, college sports is run by two television networks, and you happen to be one of the highest-paid employees at one of them. Good. Good for me. You must have seen a chart that I didn't see, but good for me. Let me get Tony. Tony, by the way, I'm, I, excuse me. I'm looking at a chart from three years ago. That's changed. Okay. Yeah, we went down. Everybody took cuts. Um, the biggest thing in college football is the transfer portal. It, you know, you, you can talk about there's going to be an effect of the movement from conference to conference, but that hasn't happened yet. We're waiting for that. The transfer portal has happened right now. How do established coaches, how do the Knicks save? I understand what Dion's doing. I understand what people, I think it's Texas something or other that, that committed completely Texas, Southern Texas, Tech, Texas, whatever. I don't know what it is. But how do the, how do the Nick Sabans of the world feel about this? Dabo Sweeney put his hand out and resisted it. He's going to regret that immediately, right? He already is. Tony, that is where the action is. Everybody focused on NIL, but it was the portal because in the portal, a player gets mad at you, and he may very well be gone. I mean, there, there yeah. have been some shakedowns going on uh, in places like Alabama where, where some guy walks in and basically says, I'm leaving or else. And, and you know, guys like Nick Saban uh, at, at 72 years old don't want to deal with that, but they have no choice. And I think you'll, I, I think you'll be, you're, you're already seeing an exodus of athletic directors. You'll see an exodus of coaches. It's, I mean, I don't want to say it's not worth the money because all these guys are making eight to $10 million a year, but it, it's, it's, there's no time. For, I mean, they ha their phone is in their hand at all times because they don't know which player is texting them saying, yeah. I need yeah. to see you right now. That's really, it's really revolutionary. I'll get you out of here on this. Caleb Williams' dad the other day um, said that the kid may in stay in school. Is that credible to you, or was that just a shot, even though Wilbon denies this? I thought it was a shot at the Arizona Cardinals saying, hey, back off. We don't love you that much. Don't think you have us. I, I, I think he's, he's uh, channeling Archie Manning from 20 years ago. With Eli. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't believe it. Uh, and, and, and Tony, you understand the NFL better than I do, but you need to get in the NFL quickly. Yes. So you can it's your get the second contract. contract out of the way. Yeah. Yes. You, you, nobody's yes. going to waste a year. Uh, and so, I mean, by the way, he'll, he'll, he could make three or five, three to five million dollars a year, which is enormous, but not in the parlance of what we saw yesterday with Joe Burrow. See, well, the way it works is, is pretty simple. You have to burn the first contract. So you have to get the first contract as quickly as possible. It is true that Caleb Williams, living and working in Los Angeles, California, could probably make in NIL money more than the first year of his actual contract money, but not more, Paul, than the bonus. I mean, no. that's where the money is, right? No, it, I don't believe this story for one minute. Uh, and, you know, good for Kayla. Everybody's dad, you know, is speaking out these days, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but it, it, this is not realistic. We're talking about the National Football League. And, and, and nobody is staying in college with all the, all the, all the possible risks. One, one guy did that. 
uh, Peyton Manning because he, he could afford to, and he, and he pulled it off. Right. This guy, this guy is not. Yeah, and, and of course, Wilbon has had dinner with everybody's dad who's being talked about in the news at all times. Wilbon just said, I just Wilbon's had wrong. dinner with that guy. Well, whoa, we're going to use that as a soundbite. <laughs> Wilbon's wrong. Ha. <laughs> Paul, thanks so much. Enjoy. Tony, my pleasure. Always great. Paul Feinbaum, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Maybe James Carville, likely Jeff Ma. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. We flock to NBT Bank Stadium, we do. The cheesery night part two. Let's go to Syracuse, let's, let's, let's. How loud can you cheer for the Syracuse Mets? How loud can you cheer for the Syracuse Mets? The future is looking bright. The Mets are gonna win tonight. The cheesery night is as good as it gets. Have a cheer for the Syracuse Mets. It's brilliant. Dan Byrne, he's simply brilliant. I think he performed that song that night. That may be the live version of that. Michael, if people want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. So this is my favorite part of the shows, when we have Carvel and then we have Ma after we've had Chuck Todd. Everybody pretty much took a bath. Chuck <laughs> Todd starts 0-1 because he picked Kansas City, said he had to pick Kansas City. You have to pick Mahomes. They lost last night. James, you picked Louisiana Tech. They underperformed, right? Correct. Are we are we regretful We're coming of this? Out. Go ahead, huh? No, you know, you know, there are two kinds of people. There are gamblers that say that they lost, and we call those gamblers. There are gamblers that say they never lose, and we call those liars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that, and that's fine. Right, we got a big car today. All right, you can you can. You can give us your picks. I just want to make sure that people know you are no longer in the best Italian restaurant in Dublin. You are now where? I'm uh, in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, in my house on Pete Pete Mountain, the the lot. There wasn't anything on it after Katrina. But I'm going back to New Orleans after after this show. And uh, here we go. Okay, go ahead. uh, Illinois goes to Kansas. I'm looking at minus three, uh, Kansas minus three. You taking that? I'm taking. I'm taking the Hawk, Hawk Chalk Jayhawk. Okay. Rock Chalk okay. Jayhawk. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. There yeah. we go. Okay. Then uh, uh, Ole Miss travels to Tulane. Pretty pretty big game. A, a hard sellout at Yulman Stadium and Tulane University. But Ole Miss is seven point favorite. I love the Greeners, but I, I got to take the SEC school playing seven. That's Lane Kiffin. He knows what he's doing. People make fun he, of him. He, he's good. He's a good coach. What kind of what kind of guy he is is disputable, but he's okay. a good coach. Right. Uh, Texas State goes to University of Texas San Antonio, which is minus thirteen and a half. Take UTSA. That, that, that school is better. That, that team is better. It's got the kind of good, complicated initials, but they're, they're pretty good. They're so pretty you're going to take football. Texas State San Antonio? No, I'm going to take. Uh, yeah, t- taking New Teeth San Antonio against Texas State. Are you laying getting 13. 13 and a half or laying 13? I'm laying. I'm minus 13 and a half. Okay. Okay. Right. San Francisco at the Steelers, right? Yes, the at Steelers Pittsburgh. Three, three point favorite at home. All right. Buy the hook and take the Steelers. Are they a favorite or is, is San Francisco a road favorite, I thought? 
I thought they were road. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I okay. Take Pittsburgh. Take them. But take plus three. Take the three and buy the hook. Okay, plus three. So you're three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, because he bought the hook. Three and a half. All Go. right. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati travels to Cleveland. You know, I, I hope Cincinnati wins by two, but Cleveland's getting two and a half, and I, I would take the two and a half. Against Joe Burrow, okay, you would go against your boy. I'm getting points at home. Okay, okay. All right. I, I think Joe Burrow be, may win the game, but look, last night you had two and a half points. You yeah. had everything. That's right. That's right. You know. Yeah, got another Eagles. Eagles and the Pats. All right, take the under forty-five and a half. Under forty-five and a half. Got it. That's a low over under. Yes, it is. Texas, uh, Alabama. Listen to this. The first half under is 27 and a half. Mm-hmm. Go limbo stick. Go under. First half, first 27 half. and a half. Go under. Okay. okay. That's, all right. That's my card for the day. That's fantastic. You're spreading out into we, unders we and overs. Out, man. All right. We fight at, at every level. So you got something to sweat. You got the first half of the Texas Alabama game of sweat. You got the Eagles Pats game. And the under sometimes is more thrilling than the over. I love this stuff. Thank you, James. We'll talk to you next right. week. James you Carville, bet. boys uh-huh. and girls, who actually his phone seems to work. His his ability to be understood by me seems to work. He's all over the map because he started out zero and three. I still have no clue what those first two games picks. You know, Illinois, was it Illinois playing Kansas? Is that who it is? He said pick Kansas. So far down the board. Yeah. Well, nobody cares about a Kansas game. Ole Miss Tulane. He went against his homeboys. Tulane's a New Orleans school. He went against them. So that's interesting. And he went against Joe Burrow. Now he's picking unders. He's not just picking By unders. The half. He's picking first half unders. First half on. I didn't know you could even do that. We should talk to Jeff Ma to ask him about that. Is Ma with us? I am with you. Did you hear Carville by any chance? How would, oh, how would I be able to hit, hear Carville? Uh, I just joined. I don't know. So Okay, so let me just tell you what he did. I didn't even know you could do this. He said Texas-Alabama, the first half, go under the 27 and a half. So there are bets like that over-unders by halves? I didn't realize that. Welcome to uh, the 21st century. <laughs> yes, I just I didn't know that was possible. So that's what. Well, Carvel, I, I listen to his segments after the fact, and besides the fact that you have trouble understanding him, you yeah. actually have trouble understanding him because he's actually talking about different types of bets that you don't really know what he's saying. Like last week, he said something about buying the hook. Yeah, which means he wants to buy an extra point, which you can turn, you know, a two and a half point game into a three point game, but you have to pay more money to do that, i.e. you have to risk more money to win more money. So there's there's lots of what they call derivatives that you can do on any of these games. He so, just did um, that. He just took Pittsburgh. He bought the hook to get three and a half points at home. He also makes okay. up his own line. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea if it's a true line or not. Um, what, I, I need to ask a couple of questions. One is, because betting is not just the NFL – and the biggest story in all of sports last week in football, because there was no NFL, was Colorado, was Dion. Um, is there an overreaction to him? Like, are you seeing that, an overreaction as they get ready to host Nebraska? Well, so it, it's, it's definitely an interesting question. We spent a lot of time talking about it on Bet the Process this week with Rufus, where, you know, one of the issues that you see – uh, in a situation like this. So there's been a 10-point adjustment in this game. Before the season, uh, this line would have been a 7-point. Um, Nebraska would have been favored by 7 points. Now they're 3-point underdogs. And it's definitely been a reaction. Um, and, and the question is, is it an overreaction? That's what I asked Rufus. I said, sight unseen, mm-hmm. who would you bet on here? And, you know, you have this concept of what we call priors, which is basically going into the season – what you rate these teams, and that's sort of what the first week's you know point spreads or analytics are based on. But then, as you you know adjust, see things in the season, you adjust. Now, how much can you adjust to one game? Now, the problem was your priors on Colorado are pretty uncertain because you've never seen a lot of these players before, and, and they had so many different transfers. 
So I think the ultimate question is, is this an overreaction or is this not enough of a reaction or is this proper? It's hard to believe that it's proper. It's hard to believe that you can nail this after one week. My guess is this is an overreaction because 10 points seems like a lot of overreaction. You must have very little faith in your priors, very little faith in your preseason numbers if you, if you are willing to react that much. I guess the wild card for me is, and I, I don't know, I don't know how you can deal with this. They're all new players. It's an entirely new team, right? It's it 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 didn't exist last year. This Colorado team did not exist. So whatever you look at from yeah, that the, team, the, the player the players did exist, right? And the problem is, in other words, like a lot of analytic systems or you know prognosticators have had to try to figure out what it means for this transfer portal. Now, yeah. in the past, they've had to figure out what, you know, five, ten players means. Now now they've had to figure out what 50, 60 players means. So it's obviously a lot harder to do that, um, but it's still possible at some level. And so, you know, again, this to me is the most fascinating game uh, of the week is just to figure out, you know, because Nebraska actually played really well last week defensively um, against Minnesota, even though they lost. So it, it, it is an interesting game to see. Are you were you surprised by Kansas City Detroit last night? Um, I wouldn't say I was that surprised, just simply because Kansas City has like a lot of injury issues, and and you know the the skill positions are really uncertain. Um, and you know Detroit is a team that everyone thinks will be much better off, specifically offensively. I mean, you had a pick six in there that yeah. you know skews things a bit. So um, no, I, I don't think I was. I mean, I'm, no, not really. Okay. All right. What do you got for us? Well, I am going to start with that um, that Colorado game because I do think that there's an interesting opportunity there. I, I'm going to bet against the overreaction or bet, sorry, on the overreaction and take Minnesota. Um, Nebraska. Plus, or sorry, Nebraska plus the three there. Um, I think this is a game that, like I said, they played as bad, as well offensively as Colorado played. Sorry, they played as well last week defensively as Colorado played offensively. And um, Colorado played pretty poorly defensively, and, and the, the sort of five players that they brought on to to, uh, to help didn't help as much as one would think. So I, I do think this is uh, a game where there's some value on Nebraska. I'm going to take them plus the three. Okay. What else? Uh, I'm, I'm going to bet uh, against the team. So do you, did you see the Baylor game last week? Were you familiar with this? I, I'm familiar with it only in the sense that they were at home. They were a 26.5-point favorite, and a school in Texas, which went to the transfer portal, beat them. Yeah, so they played Texas State. Um, they were you know, they, they were 27-point favorites. They lost by 11. Um, again, figuring out, is this next line move a reaction or overreaction? They play Utah. That game opened at... Uh, Utah favored by three. Everyone said, "What what's going on here? Well, how could they only be favored by three? And then they um, they announced Rising would be starting the Utah quarterback, and so the, the line rose to seven. It's gotten as high as eight and a half. I think it's seven and a half right now. I'm actually going to take Utah here. Um, I think Baylor's not a great team. I think Utah is going to be a, a team that may be in the mix for the national championship this year. So I'm going to take Utah minus seven and a half. Okay. And then we'll do some NFL. Um, I actually kind of think that Baker Mayfield may have a comeback year this year. He has a lot of elite weapons around him. Um, and, you know, I think the line against Minnesota, they're six, they were six-and-a-half-point favorites earlier this week. Uh, it's gone down to five-and-a-half, which is obviously a pretty significant move. Um, but I like Tampa plus the five-and-a-half there. Nigel, do you have five-and-a-half or six? Oh, we can pull it up. I won't put you on the spot. It's okay. We, we'll, we'll, we'll do that as you're talking. What else you got? And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against Carville, Golden Boy. I'm going to take Cleveland plus the two and a half over Cincinnati. I think Burrow might be rusty here. He didn't do much during the preseason. Um, and, you know, Cleveland played Cincinnati pretty tough last year at home, getting two and a half points. Um, I like Cleveland. So this is interesting. You, you could not hear this because when James was on, you were not on. But James did the same thing. And I said, whoa, you're going against Burrow. And he said, yes, if I can get two and a half for a home team, yes, I am. So, Okay. Yeah. So I ride, I, ride, I ride against Joe Burrow, as, as uh, Carvel would not say. And then I take the uh, Jets. 
plus the two and a half over Buffalo. Um, I, I do think this Jets defense, I think I talked about this last week, is a little bit underrated going into this year. I mean, I know people think they're going to be good, but they only turned the ball over 16 times last year despite creating a ton of havoc um, with, with, you know, a, a high number of sacks. They were a really good defense last year. They're going to be even better this year um, as they sort of turn over luck catches up with them, meaning like the amount of pressure they put on, the way that their defensive players play, you would expect their, them to have more turnovers. Turnovers have a high correlation to whether you're successful or not, um, but obviously are much harder to predict going forward. And right. I do believe that they will have a lot more turnovers than they did last year. I will say they this. They will turn the ball over. Because I work with Wilbon. Wilbon hates the Jets, <laughs> and he hates Aaron Rodgers, and he doesn't even want to concede any point I make about Aaron Rodgers and his history or what this is. If Aaron Rodgers and the Jets win this game on Monday night, people will talk about them for the next two to three days in the way they talked about Deion Sanders in Colorado. I, I think this will create a boomlet for the Jets and for Rodgers. And, and I'm told, I don't know this, but I'm told their first four games, Chuck Todd was saying this the other day, their first four games were really, really hard. But if they win this game, don't you think that is like the biggest story in the NFL? Yeah, I think it will be. And I, I think it's a good analogy. That's why you make the big bucks because, you know, that, that will be the one that people talk about and that it will be maybe the thing that people overreact to. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, like the, the NFL is waiting for something like this to happen because this is the kind of storyline that works. I, I think the bigger question out of this, and similarly the bigger question out of, not the bigger question, but a question out of the whole Dion situation is, the opponent, right? Is, is, is TCU, was TCU bad or was Colorado just that good? And if the Jets beat Buffalo, will it be a case that, you know, this team that last year, arguably towards the end of the season, people still thought was the best team in the NFL. Yes, Buffalo. And then, yes, you know, suffered and fell in the playoffs in that snow game. And, um, you know, did, did is this a situation that Buffalo just really isn't as good as people thought they were? That, those, that will be that, uh, totally on the table. You can listen to Jeff on Bet the Process, his podcast. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag, gonna read some for all you folks. It's lovely. That's the Littles from Jingle Fest just this past year. Just a month ago, right? A few months yes. ago. Whatever it was, 2023, that's lovely. Najee, you want to do the uh, Bethesda Bagel ad for us? Yes, Bethesda Bagels, we love them, you will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Michael picked up bagel sandwiches today. Oh, we have a surprise, surprise for Sean. Sandwich day. Oh, yeah. oh, Sean gets fantastic. a bagel sandwich on the way out, which is really lovely. And now Tony can see how to properly season a little salt, pepper, a little ketchup. Yeah, ketchup, I don't like ketchup. I guess that'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, Levon wears his war wound like a crown. He calls his child Jesus because he likes the name. Sends him to the finest school in town. Levon, Levon likes his money. He makes a lot, they say. Spends his days counting, and as Elton John would say, in a garage by the motorway, Sir Elton John. (laughs) Thanks to our guests today, Paul Feinbaum, Jeff Ma, if and when Carville shows up, James Carville. And remember that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. So I got a lot of emails here. Elliot Olshansky writes, Whether Jeff Ma was 1-4 or 0-5, it's still not the kind of start we look for from him. That being said, I would advise Alex Lau not to turn fading Jeff's picks as a strategy for funding a 529. For all we know, Jeff's bad week could be the result of Reginald slipping him 50 bucks to prank you on the air. <laughs> Best regards from Suffolk County, where you'll be pleased to know that Stony Brook got smoked in its first football game of the season, courtesy of the Delaware Blue Hens, no doubt delighting first-year student Mackie May Arrow and her proud father, Joe. Yeah, anytime Stony Brook loses, that's a good day. Joe Pierce in Indianapolis, as a person who regularly bets the process, I can assure you that Jeff Ma went over last weekend. Otherwise, my betting app would have said I won at least one of my bets. For the record, it did not. Texas Tech, who you were asking about, was a 14-point favorite. So their two-point loss did not cover 
Jeff really needs to spend more time in his models and less on the golf course. Wait, let me go backwards then. Is that what happened? So so we had that wrong? I guess we did. Well, well aren't you in charge? <laughs> I guess. He had yes, Texas Tech winning minus 14 over, over Wyoming. Oh, I thought it was a plus 14. So Jeff Ma was 0-5. Right? I got that wrong. Glad we have this figured out. <laughs> got that wrong. Um, now I'm... Yeah, you've lost your pile. I've lost the pile. Oh, here's another one. Okay. From a loyal little in Tokyo, Japan, Jerry Black. I love James Carville, but either T-Boy Lachelet was unwilling to leave the swamp or James would not foot the bill to take T-Boy to Ireland. A loss on a triple play on Louisiana Tech and Jaden Daniels for the Heisman. Come on, man. What are we even doing out here? Um, from Mike in Ellicott City. Obviously, a cold open is just not for you. And who is kidding who? A hot open boat has sailed a long time ago, along with your once illustrious hair. Can I interest you in a lukewarm open? It goes something like this. Plausibly not dead from Uncle Benny's table, this show stinks. Love the Greg Garcia um, segment. My only gripe, it was not one of those after-hours shows like with Mitch Album or Uncle Big Al. I know making you happy is a tall order, but I believe talking to Greg about Jimmy Buffett really moved the needle in that direction. What did you want us to do? Do like an hour? Yeah, I mean, that was what Greg knew. Yeah. You know. Maybe just a standalone show is what he's asking for. Yeah, I guess. From Jason Smorrow. We'll do about it next time Greg's in town. We can do that. Um, Lechiserie Part 2 recap. Unlike most sequels, Lechiserie Night Part 2 lived up to and possibly exceeded expectations for lousy promotion. It succeeded on so many levels. First, we had 42 Littles use the website to buy tickets. Not only is that better for the old bottom line than 65 freebies last year, we raised a whopping $168 for the first tee of Syracuse. That should buy them at least two dozen Pro Vs. Next, the Littles. They came from Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, the DMV, New York City, and all parts of central and upstate New York. I'm sure we had representation from the North Country, the Southern Tier, Western New York, and I hope the Leatherstocking region. As you are well aware, we are not all just upstate. Well, you are to me. They hit local attractions like the Hall of Fame, Niagara Falls, the Finger Lakes, and they met up at the hotel bar, as well as Jake Hafner's restaurant, creating more connections for the tissue of the show. The night was perfect, a beautiful summer evening as the backdrop for a great baseball game. Filled with references, 98% of the crowd did not understand, but played along with. We started with Dan Byrne playing a pregame concert surrounded by barking dogs, as it was also bark in the park night. The dogs outnumbered the Littles 114 to 42, and Dan was spectacular as always. We had more Littles that just bought tickets and are current season ticket holders, but 42 is a good baseball number. It is. It's Jackie Robinson. We then went to the first pitches and a brief explanation of what fans were about to witness. I addressed the crowd before each game, and I told them they were about to be part of an inside joke. After four pitches is when the night really kicked into gear. The mascot race was transformed into the rum-dum race, where four littles raced. Louise Gluck, T-Boy Lachelet, Saliza, and our orange mascot, Scooch, played the part of Mr. Tony as the orange man. The local 81 plunger toss was replaced with the local 81 Steve Sands golf ball toss into toilets with heated seats contest. The State Fair Midway Challenge became a trivia contest. The questions were, what town started the game of discussing small town traffic construction, river cruise or ocean cruise? The answer was river or neither. What relative of Mr. Tony would have people wear dunce caps? That was my Aunt Bernice. And which white hat is superior as Weagles or Hoffman? Hoffman is the correct answer. Watching Louise Gluck, Saliza, and T-Boy throw out T-shirts for the T-shirt toss was memorable. The fun on the field was highlighted by a video sent by Nigel from the U.S. Open, as well as Dan Byrne on the guitar, playing the mailbag jingle for Tom Mosser's rendition as we put all the littles on the video board for the little cam. We sold $10.29 lechiserie night, ice cream, coffee, of course, and we sold eight of them. Chuck and Roxy did a live podcast filled with littles, and your Syracuse Mets won in dramatic walk-off fashion against the Nats Farm Club. Rochester Red Wings. That's a very exhaustive recap, but very lovely. I love the race. Yes. Malcolm Smith writes, uh, it's a, he sends a picture of Dan Byrne before singing for the Mets game. He was most cordial to everyone, even played his guitar and sang from the seats in section 103 where most of us littles were sitting during the game. And I mean during the game, while pitchers were warming up, batters were batting, and umpires were doing whatever it is they do, he was singing Victor Wembanyama, Victor Wembanyama, and a few other ditties. Mets were behind 5-4 going into the bottom of the ninth, scored twice on a walk-off double to deep center, scoring the two runners on base. An exciting finish to a pleasant evening at the ballpark in Syracuse. P.S. 
My wife and I drove from central Indiana to see the game and meet other littles. Malcolm, Malcolm Smith. Dave Thompson writes, Le Chiserie Part Deux? Come on, man, what are we doing? Some uh, should have been called Schwitzing for Tony. Just like last year, the best part of the night was making chatter. <laughs> With fellow littles from around the region, the connective tissue is the soul of the show. <clears throat> I live vicariously through my friend Billy from Old Forge as he got his second baseball at the event in as many years. Unlike last year, when he stupidly gave his ball to a little kid, this year he got it signed by the incomparable Dan Byrne and Chuck and Roxy. I can't wait to see what next year brings. Maybe more barks in the park, Dave Thompson. Old Forge, New York. They can't do it again, right? Oh, yeah. Get ready they for think part they'll three. do it again? Okay. From Bill Burns, juggling life's curveballs, my TK Knight veteran buddy Dave Thompson departed the Adirondack Park on our way to NBT. Too late for early Dan Byrne, but no worries. He may be the most approachable person I've ever met. Twice now. GM Jason made the rounds, and I informed Chuck and Roxy that I didn't have an episode number, but I am the first TK Knight email read last year. Unfortunately, we left after the 50-50 drawing. We missed the comeback win. Okay. This is one from Rich Garfinkel that I know Michael likes very much. And he says, while, being, while listening to Tony's recount his one-in-a-million coincidence of playing golf with George Solomon at Woodmont and being paired with Hank Miller, who sent Tony three or four dozen logo golf balls, my ears perked up. Michael estimated the odds at closer to one in a thousand based on the local private golf scene and the bit of small world for the 1% in the DMV. Michael then asked Tony the critical question, was your name on the T-sheet? Was this a pure coincidence, or could he have seen this the day before? Well, Michael was right. Tony was on the T-sheet, and I have the screenshot because he followed my foursome, and I was careful not to reproduce a dreaded great shot mom scene from Byers. <laughs> In fact, I tried to keep our group moving. Yeah, we never ran into them. And we'll note that we held up Tony for about 30 seconds on two par threes. Now, here's the best part. I was glad not to hear about it or have my name mentioned on the podcast. I did look back as we teed off on the par three, 15th hole. Oh, God, this guy was terrible on this. To watch Tony hit his approach <laughs> shot from 50 yards, but only about 25 yards right into a bunker and almost decapitate his golf club. But to answer Michael's question, it was more like one in a thousand. Below is a screenshot I took to send to two other littles, my brother and my now, son. Now, what's your approach? You do the leg cross and then like the hammer toss with the club or... No, I just, I hold it in my right hand and I go, ah, and I don't throw it and I bring it down a little bit. I don't smash it. But then you always look around to see if anyone saw. Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> they don't want to see. The kids. I've got a haiku for uh, calculated indifference gives no aid, Cigna. Mm. Elderly man with a persistent condition. It's time to give aid. And let me, by the way, just thank privately Elizabeth Cohen for her very, very beautiful email to me. Uh, Jimmy from Edwards, Colorado, Gonzaga class of 2004. One of the post stories on the passing of Jimmy Buffett included this gem I think you'd appreciate. In 1976, after a night playing a club in Austin, Buffett nursed his morning hangover with a girlfriend over burritos and cold margaritas before she drove him to the airport for a final goodbye. As Buffett would recount in interviews over the years, he pulled out his guitar at the gate and began strumming the hook, writing most of the song in about five minutes margaritaville <laughs> of course he did because that's what happens yes the it just flows out of your body there was a great story in the post yesterday about his friendship with thomas mcguane the great novelist great story about that jeff barger hillsborough north carolina being a spectrum customer i don't currently have access to espn or abc at the moment can I come over to your house this weekend and watch football? <laughs> I can bring bagel sandwiches and coffee ice cream. Ooh. I'm anxiously awaiting your reply, but I understand if you're, going to be, if you're not going to be home because you're attending one of the many weddings you're invited to. There are a lot of weddings this week. Now, do you remember where the red zone is? What, what do you mean? Yeah, for you, the uh, this is first red zone Sunday. 861. Okay. You know, the music I'll, is, be the music I'll be cute. there in time for the, the music. The march begins. Yeah, I'll be there in time for the music. 861. Sure. <laughs> Uh, Mark Lynch, Tony, my wife ordered contacts from Costco and only half of them arrived, all for her left eye. Anyway, she asked me to call and get it straight now, and I said, no problem, I know a guy. So attached, you'll find all the pertinent information. <laughs> Fix this for me. That's sort of funny. Another Cigna thing. From David Barack in San Diego. Here's some other things Cigna could stand for. Coverage is generally not adequate. Customer inquiries go nowhere always. Claims ignored. Gaps in network access. Costly insurance. Gouging. No affordability. Careless in handling necessary authorizations. Constant increases in premiums. No alternative. Claims ignored. Goodness not assured. Those are brilliant. 
going to put that aside. Here's another one. Wayne Mossman, who's an attorney at law in Moscow, Idaho. Cigna denying payment for an MRI of your ankle and a bank's refusal to make change for a C-note reminds me of this wise observation from my father. If insurance companies and banks actually did what the public expects them to do, lawyers would be forever unemployed. (laughs) That's funny. That's good. All right, we'll do one more. Matthew Cunningham in Charlotte, North Carolina. We recently hired a nanny to care for our seventh-month-old. She's thoughtful, caring, and our son has taken to her quickly. My only concern is that she drives a Subaru. Does this mean she'll love my kid more than me? Maybe that's a good thing. Does her car choice indicate underlying character concerns that will manifest themselves one day and she'll quit to pursue her passion of saving the trees or running half marathons? Is my son destined for a life full of needless bumper stickers? Should we fire her tomorrow, buy her a new car? Please advise. What do we think? Well, at least she drives 10 miles under the posted speed limit in the right lane. (laughs) That's exactly right. So if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Expired. Expired. Thanks, Aunt Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jared Goff and Coco Goff, not brother and sister. Coco at the open, there's no way that you missed her. Jared Goff, he's a lion, used to be a ram. If this was World War II, he'd be plucked by Uncle Sam. And then he'd serve his country in the big war overseas. The Lions fans in Detroit would probably be relieved to be free of Jared Goff, at least for a while. Coco Goff, who's not his sister's got a lot of style. I wonder whether Jared Goff knows Coco Goff at all. Perhaps they met at car shows where they've had adjoining stalls. Wonder if they've been photographed side by side together. They both play in a dome sometimes, depending on the weather. Jared Goff and Coco Goff continue unabated. Jared Goff and Coco Goff both are highly rated. Jared Goff and Coco Goff once more let me state it. Jared Goff and Coco Goff unrelated. Flock to NBT Bank Stadium, we do a cheesery night part two. Let's go to Syracuse, let's, let's, let's. How loud can you cheer for the Syracuse Mets? How loud can you cheer for the Syracuse Mets? The future is looking bright The Mets are gonna win tonight The cheesery night is as good as it gets Have a cheer for the Syracuse Mets